All right. So you have to do it. Okay, generation like. I wrote it on the board. This is a uh, frontline PBS episode, television show. Um, uh, I would encourage everybody to watch it. You can access it online, or you can check your local listings. It, it would be, it might be shown. It was just shown last month. Um, now, why am I having you do this? Because it is the intersection of technology and cool. And for many of us, again, I'm not against technology, right? Because I, I, I I'm a big proponent of indoor plumbing. That's exactly right. Indoor plumbing is the greatest technology in the history of the world. Okay. Uh, however, her chapter mainly was not about technology, but about social media. And this frontline episode tackles coolness and social media. And so what we will do next week is we... Uh, you don't have to watch it, but it would be great if you did... I, we will show clips in, in Bible study of this, but of course, you know, they might be out of context in terms of maybe how you watch it. But anyways, uh, it, it's a great thing. It, it was so helpful um, because it did kind of tackle both subjects. However, I watched it too late. And, I, and so um, what we're going to be doing is being retroactive rather than proactive. We'll talk about things today and then next week, we'll see it kind of in real time. Um, yeah, that's good enough. Okay, so Generation Like. You can Google it. Comes right up. Click on the episode. It's PBS. Although it, there is a warning, you can't watch it with your children, like most shows on PBS. <laughs> Well, Frontline isn't. Uh, they would be bored out of their minds anyways, but... Uh, yeah, I think, it, I think it's important. There, uh, just a little background. They, uh, some of us might have been of the age where we could actually watch... So Frontline... Do you guys all know what Frontline is? Maybe I'm just I'm too much in Nerdville, I presume. I love Frontline. Frontline's a great PBS television show. The about in 2001, they had another episode similar to this one called The Merchants of Cool, and that actually was shown at St. John. I remember uh, watching it with uh, this would have been like Val Gady's son, John, and of that age. So, all those people are now in their late 20s. Um, and teachers were utilizing this Frontline episode in their classroom, but it got to be so out of date and out of touch within the last decade that these teachers were calling Frontline saying, you need, this, this is irrelevant. You need to do something different. That kind of tackles the whole intersection of uh, who decides who's cool and who's not. Um, and so they made this, and it, it was last month. It was aired last month in February. So I was, well, I don't know. We, we haven't watched a lot of TV lately. Too busy yeah, doing other things. Or f just falling asleep on the couch with the TV in the background. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's mainly it. I'm going to sit down here. All right. 
All right, so cool. Uh, how would you answer the questions? What is cool and who is cool? Uh, and don't, I want you to answer them. Don't answer them in the way that you think is cool. <laughs> if that makes any sense. All right, anybody want to answer those questions? So those, what's most popular? Okay. So what is cool, whatever's most popular, and who is cool, who, whoever is the most popular. Now, I'm a pretty popular guy. Oh, okay. Chug. Now, yeah, so uh, who, how would you know what is most popular? Because I can tell you right now what's most popular in my life is probably not most popular in other people's lives. So, uh, yeah, how would you decide that, Krista? Um, not only what I Uh, yeah, but uh, where do you see that? Where do you see singers? What medium? What medium in which you see that? How do you get that information? Like from, from the television? Oh, okay. Okay. Or the internet. Okay. Because that, that, that's a big fundamental shift now. What's that? When I'm walking down the street? Well, yeah, but how would I know about what's popular? To go to a live show. Okay. All right. That's good. How anybody else? Who's cool and what's cool? Oh, man. Okay. Who's cool? Who doesn't care about being cool? Which I think is a good reason why I'm cool. But Actually, uh, if, if uh, Katie brought up something here. On the back. Anybody know what, a, what that a picture is of? Now, it's a, I, I don't know what a Vic guy or subpar girl is, but I would just describe this person as a hipster. Hipsters are the cool people now these days. Although I, that might be still a little bit out of date. And hipsters are primarily cool because they don't care. All right, all right, but we're just going on their grounds. They say they don't care. And many people think they're cool. All right, but we'll, we'll talk about the hipsters a little bit. All right, so a sense of cynicism is cool. All right. Okay, cool. Although, um, it might be the opposite. Especially if you read the chapter, parents have a tendency to want to be just like their children. So, no, no, I know. So parents like what the kids like, which means then won't like it. Yeah. So it's not so much parents hate that and kids like it. It's rather parents like it, kids hate it. Sure, okay, good. Um, now, the thing is, is you brought up children, so that's good. Age is a, is an important thing. Um, when are you the coolest? And she kind of tackles that a little bit. When are you the coolest? Teenagers. But they're so not cool. They're like, we're so much cooler now. 
Yeah, yeah, this is very interesting because, um, yeah, I mean, whether it be a, a literal teenager, young people generally are viewed as the coolest. That would go with Krista's thing, like singers, you know. Uh, I mean, the most popular singers right now are of, like, teenagers in the early 20s. And then you have the Rolling Stones, which are kind of cool, but on a certain level, kind of creepy. Uh, yeah, in fact, uh, so Elizabeth Scalia, she mentions this Jane Fonda. I had no idea what it was at the beginning, so I, I, put, I had a picture. I had to find it from the Clute, Clute uh, haircut. So I looked up Clute, and I, well, I found out what kind of movie it was, which is kind of, mm, it's rated R. But, um, and I was like, well, but she mentioned a fist, and so I found this image, and I, I think this is making... She's making reference to. Mm-hmm. I just I had no idea. Ever heard of the word clute or, uh, or, you know, but apparently she was arrested in Cleveland in November 3rd, 1970. But Elizabeth Scalia's question is why, why would she have that picture? You know, she gave several scenarios, but one of them was primarily about age. This is when, you know, she kind of presumes this is when she was the coolest. So she's in her early 20s here, or 20-ish, 20s. So, all right, Krista. She was a rebellion. Well, that, yeah, because young people were in rebellion. I'm just talking about age, not about what she was doing. Yeah, right. But uh, uh, no one gravitated towards the intellectuals of that age who were teaching these people. I mean, any, any people from this age... Uh, from this time period, uh, you, you, see the, you see the cool people, and whether you talk about rebellion, these young people learned this rebellion from someone, and those people who were they learned it from weren't the stars of the age, because old people just aren't cool. I mean, Jane Fonda, whatever her ideology was, she learned it from somewhere. Right? And rather than being the cool people, the poster children, it was the young, cool-looking people. So, anyways. Yeah, right. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh, no, no. But these people, I mean, so one of the things is that what we don't really realize is so the, the, the uprising at this time was mainly in colleges. Colleges. It's not like these students came up with these ideas. There's actually intellectuals who taught them these things and fostered the seedbed of, of this. I mean, that's just kind of the way things happened. And then, and then, and then uh, media and all that other stuff drove like kind of this wider pop culture issue. Obviously, you know, seeing this in Woodstock. But I'm just saying in terms of even at that time, who were the cool people? The cool people were of a certain age. Rather than being the drivers and the intellectuals, the, it was this age. Because if you want to be part of the in crowd, you're definitely going to have an old guy with glasses and you know, a stained coffee shirt. I mean, you're going to have a young, beautiful woman. So, or, or handsome dude. That's going to gain more popularity than the old, the old geezer. He's got an you know, ink stain on his... 
Yeah, that, those are hippie years. Yeah, right. I'm just saying the hippie. All I'm saying is the hippies didn't didn't come up with it. They were taught that, and they said that's cool. That's great. I mean, that's that's 1968 in Chicago. I'm not, I'm just saying that's okay. Great. Okay. Great. I, I I think we're getting bogged down in something that is irrelevant. But okay. So all I'm saying is, what is cool? Who is cool? And when you're the coolest? When you are the coolest. Because as a child, you want to be like, yeah, which are generally of late high school, early 20s, college age. And then as you get older, you kind of lose your coolness and you look back at that time as being both cool. And, we, and the proof's in the pudding. I mean, it's right here, right? I mean, so, um, so I think just generally speaking, those who are cool... Again, societal, not absolutely, but as, as we read the chapter, age is, is of importance here. All right, so, now why are you cool? Why, why is someone cool? Well, no, 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 why are they cool? I don't know, what makes someone cool? Why, why, why is someone cool? Okay, yeah, so dress, m- music. Yeah, right. And, uh, and so that girl, though, again, so that girl was driven by what? Why, why, I mean, where did she come up with this idea that, hey, I don't have to care about school? Peers, yeah, she wants to fit in. So, it, 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 I mean, why you're cool, you're cool because you're cool, because you are part of the cool crowd. I mean, there's this, so there's, yeah, okay, great, excellent. I, I, I think it was going to be that hard. All right, so they were the height of coolness, as she talks about. The kids in their high school, they were at their, the height of the coolness because where coolness became unquestioned. I mean, I, I don't know, so the idea of, I mean, these questions are basically uncool. What makes cool? Why are you cool? Because coolness, you just know it. And she, she talks about that. You just know it. However, I think this is very important for us because we have to ask these questions about, you know, why is something cool? Or the, just the, even the notion of cool. Um, so you can't ask the question, why is that cool? Because if you ask why it's cool, then you're not cool. I don't even know what a Maybach is, so there you go. Excellent. That's right. Um, the, the state of coolness is something everybody has gone through at some time. Right. Probably from 15 to 22. Sure. Because you're weaning off what mom and dad want you to be and finding your own person. Right. So it's a, it's a question of identity, like figuring out who you are, where you belong. That's good. Now, the, um, but yeah, so the whole notion of coolness, though, I think is really important for us to kind of think about because if you are unable to ask questions, then coolness, I mean, this whole, there is an idol of coolness that, that's pretty prevalent. Because if you remember way back when when we talked about idols and icons and God and idols, 
Idols are, you can never question an idol. Where God actually bids us to ask questions. I mean, if you can't ask a question, if you can't wrestle with something without being uh, cast out, I mean, that, that's, that's a clear sign of, of idol worship. And so, but, but as, as Bobby said, though, is that this is something that everybody struggles with. And I actually don't think it's, I think it's, you, you continue to struggle with it. Because, um, well, I, I think, I did I actually, or did I delete that part? You, uh, oh yeah, uh, in the back there. Um, when I go drop off my kids at school or pick them up, you have certain people over there, certain people over there, and then, you know, and uh, there is social anxiety going on. Hey, are these the cool parents? <laughs> I mean, if you don't, if you actually, I mean, I, that's true. I mean, you show up to any kind of social study, setting, there is going to be this uh, question about where do I fit in and whether you articulate it in your brain or your heart or not, you're trying to fit in with the cool kids. <laughs> All right. So, um, but, uh, but I really want to make sure that we, we feel comfortable asking questions about what's cool and not cool because if you are driven by fear and anxiety, then that, that's an idol. And obviously what, what you do with idols is you smash them. But um, if you look at the bottom of the page there, the meme there, I thought that thinking things are cool before they're cool was cool before it was cool. I mean, you can't question that because he's always going to one-up you. Well, I already thought of that. Rachel. That's right. Excellent. Uh, and I would, I would say, yeah, typically speaking, that's true. Although when you watch this film, you will actually find out that there, it's something different now. Today. Um, now, that's part of it, though. I mean, in, in uh, yeah. It wasn't always. Right. If you had a lot of money, if you dressed in the right clothes, then you were part of that group. Right. Oh, yeah, right, definitely. All right, so, so this is good. So you're understanding then um, it's materialistic, right? Now, in today's society, though, materialistic takes on a little bit of a different form because, uh, you know, if you, yeah, so... Just think kind of more digitally, and then you'll start kind of processing things. Uh, for those of us who aren't part of that digital world, it seems very foreign, and you kind of want to dismiss it. At least I do. I mean, I don't have a tweet or Twitter account, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever the other one is. However, there's millions and millions of people that have that. And so you got to be aware of it. But yeah, definitely growing up, and I think for most of us, even 
for people who are younger than others in this room, I think material, materialistically speaking, clothes, cars, that was all kind of the drivers of who's cool. I'd say there's kind of a shift now. Um, but you have to ask the question, is that really cool, though? What makes that cool? Why do, why do we desire these things? So I got the picture of the hipster. I don't understand why this is cool. But it is. He's hip. No, actually, it's not, actually. But that's, uh, that was kind of a, a yeah, presumption here. Anyways, there you go. Part, part of the coolness is not caring. Part of the coolness is kind of turning something that was out of coolness into coolness. <laughs> um, so, like, so you have this kind of this reinventing of something that was cool way back long ago. So you have something that was cool, then it wasn't cool, and then... Because it wasn't cool, you thought, hey, we're going to try to make this interesting. And then it becomes so cool, it's socially accepted, which then makes it not cool anymore. So you have this kind of this typical. Yeah, this is cyclical. So you see in this picture here, his glasses, his beer, the cigarette. You have a, you have a lot of things that used to be cool way back when. And now they're just reinvented. Anyways, that's beside the point. All right, so on page 76, coolness, an idea, an idea of relevancy that goes deeper than mere trends of fashion because it demands constant deconstruction and reinvention, is an idol to which whole generations have willingly bowed and sacrificed. And so that, that kind of goes to the point is that I, there's generations upon generations, You just this is part of how we wrestle with who we are as a people. And the basic fear, I think, is being out of touch. Like, you don't want to appear to be uncool. You want to be out of touch. And, you know, out of touch with what and with whom. And just those questions, it's it's a never-ending cycle because coolness is always changing. I mean, the, this, the fact that they made this film just a decade later because it was so out of date. It was completely impractical. I mean, that doesn't usually happen in the past. But things have changed so quickly in the last decade that, I mean, this is just a great example. So you have people who are in their late 20s, if they didn't change are now completely irrelevant. But for all of us who maybe are older than the... I mean, that, that's the height of... Shouldn't they be the cool people? Right? So uh, things are changing so quickly that it's never really sustainable. And so we, we, desi- we actually desire something that will not give us life. Which is kind of a sadness, Right? So when we desire to be with the right crowd in the right neighborhood, with the right stuff, we're always, we're always changing, and we're never set uh, sus- you know, it's not sustainable. So coolness is actually anti-life. It doesn't give life. It takes life away. 
So we desire something that's actually, yeah. Which, of course, you know, we don't typically do that. Um, yeah. Anything that drives you to do something because you're anxious, that's a telltale sign that it's not life-giving. I mean, I think that's pretty simple, but I run into people all the time who are driven by anxiety. All right, so in a similar way, coolness is largely about itself. It's not substantial on its own. Rather, it conveys an attitude over substance. That goes back to what Katie said, is that, you know, the cynical attitude. But, um, so being cool, it doesn't just start in junior high and high school, but it keeps, it keeps moving on into your adulthood. And it is all, it doesn't really, it still doesn't change, though, the substantial, or the, the fact that it is not substantial. So I don't know, as people get even older, I think it has to do with maybe your children. I, I just, I put my own down there. I see that all over again when I drop my kids off and pick my kids up at school. <coughs> but in high school and junior high, I think we all have these kind of, uh, we don't need to talk about well, who was cool and cool, but um, now I'm at my age now where I have a whole different set of like cool kids. And I, I don't think it actually ever goes away. So my question would be, as you get older, how does coolness manifest itself? Okay. All right. Who you know? Who you know? Yeah. Dropping names. Yeah. Right. Right. The anti-cool. That's cool. Kind of thing. Where you say, "Oh, I don't know who they are." Yeah, right. Yeah, right. So that's good. Oh, I don't know the nerdy kids. Right. <laughs> sure. Yeah, right. Yep. All right, that's good. I'm glad to know that. All right. Um, one of the things that she, uh, she brings up on page 79 is when we are living in the now, we are constantly restless and looking for the next thing. I actually I disagree with that. I don't, I don't think you're actually living in the now. Because I, I think it, it, the only way you can live in the now is if you're not restless. If you're at kind of peace. I understand what she's saying, but I, I, think I would not articulate it that way. Living in the new, that's another way. Because, or, or, I, I mean, the, the whole thing is about living in the next thing. So you actually are never really thinking about what's happening now. You're thinking about what's next. So it, it's, it, yeah, in the new, but not even the new, because, of course, then we would say we're in the new creation, so that might be a little bit confusing for us. So, yeah, I, it would be this, this kind of this elusive future that we actually don't know. Katie, were you going to say something? Trends, maybe, yeah. Yes, the zeitgeist. Oh, yeah. Zeitgeist. Krista, what does that mean? What does zeitgeist mean? Zeitgeist. <coughs> I would say it's just now. Just now. Yeah. What, what um, politics and um, 
Right. The church of what's happening now, Elizabeth Scalia mentions, right? Yeah, um, and so as, as we think about that, again, thinking about what's happening next and kind of leaning towards that, what drives that is there's a certain anxiety and fear and restlessness, which of course is the exact opposite of what Jesus promises in terms of a real life. Um, rather anxiety, I mean, what does Jesus say? Cast your anxieties, or, well, actually it's First Peter, but, uh, you know, cast your anxieties upon him, he'll take care of you. Um, uh, he came to give rest for your souls, and true peace, peace which the world cannot understand. So this is, uh, as we kind of come to, as we kind of wrestle with what, what coolness is, um, we have to keep that in the back of our mind, those three things. All right, so who is the cool crowd? And she brings up this idea that striving for coolness is kind of a, a debauched sense of community, which I think we all kind of, right, understood. Um, and, I, and when I grew up, it was the in crowd. It wasn't really the cool kids. It was all about the in crowd. And I, I, for me personally, I feel like that's a more helpful way to think about it, is that you are striving to be part of a community who has this appearance that it is life-giving, but in fact, under it all, is death and destruction. You know, and if we watch any sort of, like, after-school special when we were growing up, I mean, all that stuff makes... I mean, what would be the most uh, horrific example, movie-wise, from the 1970s? I think it's the most horrific of someone who desires to be part of the in-crowd, the in-crowd manipulates and uses this person, and at the end, uh, yeah, I think of Carrie. I always think of Carrie. I'm like, that is the perfect example of how the in-crowd manipulates and uses someone for something else, which is anti-life. I mean, it's... Now, you, you, you think about that, Bobby. Think about Carrie for a while. And I think it's true. I mean, I think that's like a perfect manifestation of what coolness does. Now, I didn't see the new one, but I'm thinking of the old one with uh, Sissy Spacek. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't seen that for a while. So my rendition of it is, hopefully, my memory is actually truthful, but I, because uh, I don't really care to see it again, but. Yeah, they tricked her, but I mean, they, yeah, they tricked her. And so this is so helpful. Okay, uh, everything we're talking about today is you watch this, this, this film, and we'll see it next week, we'll see it exposed. Um, the thing about what the past was is that as, you know, this movie, Carrie, or just in the Incron in general, the manipulation and the use is, is um, you can look back on it and say, okay, Carrie wasn't really or any of us who get used by the in-crowd, we didn't, we didn't necessarily agree to that situation. We didn't enter into that relationship knowing that we were going to be used and we're going to be okay with it. Right? I mean, when you watch this, ask yourself the same question if that's still the case. Or if um, people are okay with being used by the in-crowd. Sure. If you look at, you know, 
know, like I think back to my high school. So you had the cheerleaders and the jocks. Right. Cool. Right. You had the hippies who stood across the street from campus before school started smoking cigarettes. Sure. They were cool. Couldn't be any more opposite. Right. Yet both groups were considered cool. So where's the reality then? Right. In coolness, it, it doesn't exist, really. Sure. Ooh, that's good. Ooh, good job. Contradicts itself. That's exactly right. Um, what? What's that? Short living. Oh well, yeah. I don't think it's living at all. pretty old. She's still cool. The 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 chapter chronologies all the stuff that she stood up for and right and. Right. Right. <laughs> all right. So this is okay. Good. Um, I would say all that is still in play. It just comes out in a very different way. That is, uh, you could say, invisible, or so subtle that it's it's hard to recognize. Um, because, like Jane Fonda, or like, I mean, well, the hip, like, just, just the, historically speaking, the hippies. The hippies were anti-establishment, right? But by being anti-establishment, what did they actually do? They became their own establishment, and what eventually happened was, is that they gained power. So now we learn in school that the hippies were, that was the... That's the thing. That was they were on the right. That, I mean, they were correct, and because they have now become the establishment. I mean, you, you just look at. I mean, yeah, this is true. So it's kind of a it's kind of a funny thing, because it's maybe more about power than ideology or truth or. So and that of course makes sense though, right? Especially if you remember Carrie. They're all about power. They want to they take something and destroy it and manipulate. Yeah. She also brings in the absence of parents. Right. Well, uh, yeah, absence. Poor, poor yeah. Jane. Poor Jane. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Um, you can have. Sure. She did appear to be somebody who, you know, had a thought. And went with it mm -hmm. where when she was a kid or a youth, she might have been different if she had had, um, you know, she'd be good to have one of them really paying attention right. and being a mentor. Uh -huh. You know, you know, this is this is a good thought, Jane, but delivery ought to, well, our baseline is supposed to be Christ. Mm -hmm. Hello. And then you got mom and dad. Right. Yep. Um... I don't, I, she didn't spend too much time on it. It was just like, it's like three paragraphs. But I thought this is probably needs to be like a whole chapter because the, the loss of the family, parents or however you want to say it, really goes to identity. Yeah. Because you're left floundering with your, your own 
generation raising you. Right. She, uh, yeah, she, I think... Yeah, the manifestation of, of that is that whole that whole second from page eighty one on, which is about you know the sex and the, the the sexuality. But you know, regard I mean, even if it's about that or if it's about something else, there's the loss of the parents being parents is uh, well, I shouldn't say it that way. Yeah, okay, that's fine to say it that way. Um, uh, has had great ramifications. So I have that quote there from page 79 and 80. Parents abdicating their roles in order to follow their children's sensibilities had a predictability, unsettling, unsettling effect on society. Suddenly everyone was cool and no one wanted to be the old-fashioned, uptight grown-up, except it seems the Catholic Church, which I thought was funny. And, and that's, that, that continues to play out. Right, I mean, parents, uh, adults. Let's keep it more general. Adults still have this seemingly drive to be, you know, on the cutting edge. My sister, for example, she would say like she's attempting to stay cool. Right. Right, which of course I would say. But she's on Facebook more than <laughs> Right. She needs to watch this, Elio. <laughs> Actually, it was pretty funny. This uh, this generation, like, uh, you know, Frontline, it, it, well, anyways, the, uh, the comment section was, was fairly interesting. One, one person responded saying <laughs> this... Uh, this episode was so unsettling. I'm like, I'm, you know, uh, getting off Facebook. I'm getting off tw- Twitter. And I have a four-year-old daughter, and I'm, I'm going to keep her for as far away as possible from it. Um, I don't know if they have to go that far. However, it raises some fundamental questions about, again, the presu- that's where my kids are, so I have to be a part of it. Okay, is that, is that the, is that, is that actually true? Like, do you, is that actually true? Is it, I mean... We have a good relationship. My sister and father, so... Sure. Right. Yeah, which deals with more, like, their, 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 her children's own... Uh, any parents. So, you, again, you have this young age, right? Teenagers who are um, questioning who they are, and they're seeking out the in crowd. And of course, if everyone's on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, and you're not, then what? You aren't cool. So, you know, you got to be part of that. I would, you know, I, I mean, I would have a fundamental question. Do you really? And if you watch the show... You realize that uh, friendships can happen. However, um, there's a lot else going on besides relating to each other. Let's keep it kind of that. You gotta watch it, Rachel. So it's funny, you know, raising kids now. 
Okay. But having kids now, you know, they're begging for things like, you know, I whatever touch thing. Sure, yes, of course. Message with your friends and stuff, and then some of their friends have that stuff. They do, yeah. Yeah, right. I, I'm not giving it to you because everyone else has it. And it's, I don't know. It's, I, just, I don't want them to value those things, but they do anyway. Yeah, well, exactly. And, and so, uh, you know, thinking about your own experience, I, I think the most helpful aspect of this chapter is just kind of reflecting upon your own experience and then trying to apply it to the, to the kind of situation now, is that um, you you kind of see your own experience of the desire to be part of the in crowd or the cool kids and you realize that, you know, whatever. And as you kind of wrestle through it your, with your own life at your own stage, then you look at younger people, not just as parents, but just like even in the church. I mean, I think, you know, you all have a role in raising our children in the church and setting the, the right example of, of where, where our children are headed. And part of the community aspect is that our children realize where real community happens. So rather than desiring this, the, the, the digital or the social media, they desire where real things can happen. Um, yeah, and, and so I, I think it's... Uh, <laughs> the whole language of cool, though, is, is kind of a struggle for me because I, I like to turn things around be like, no, you're the cool guy because you don't have it. You're the cool guy because you invite your friends over and, you know, hang out. Yeah. Um, you're the cool guy because you, you know, dig in the dirt and plant. You're the cool guy because you read a book and you like to paint. And you, I mean, I think. That almost sounds like you're saying cool is... Being comfortable in your own person. Well, uh, you, no. Sort of. Actually, I'm glad you said that. Because that, that was one of those things that hit me in the shower this morning. Sorry. So, yes and no. Um, because you'll hear that same language where, uh, like, the afternoon, okay, the after school specials. Do you remember all those? ABC, right? After school. And usually when they dealt with the cool crowd and the in crowd, at the, the moral of it was to say, you don't have to worry about those people. Just be, your, you know, be yourself or, or be comfortable in yourself. There's an assumption that you actually know what yourself is. But if you, or you're unsure of who you are, then that kind of advice just kind of falls flat. So, so yes, as long as you know who you are, that can actually happen. And actually, it's at the last page there where I have three things, and it's probably not in the best order. But um, so, you know, who's actually the in crowd? Who are the cool kids? Yeah. The church. Uh, the church is the cool kids, and if you the next time you see a baptism, we actually we actually pray for this child to be held secure in the holy ark of the Christian church. Secure security, when we, I mean, that's part of children, is you seek security. You want to be in a place where you're, you, you feel safe and you're, you're welcomed and you're, you, you receive life. Well, 
That's what we pray for at, at baptisms, is that they're, they're secure in the Holy Ark of the Christian Church. Um, so think about that next time you see a baptism in this child. Uh, so, you know, if you want to use the cool language. I think the cool kids are the church. And they're cool not because they take life away, but they're, they're cool because they give life. Precisely because they give life. Um, and your identity... In chapel, we read from Romans chapter 6. Oh, so the Exodus 21 through 1 and 2. I kept on thinking about Old Testament bits. So uh, you have a whole generation of people who don't know who they are. They're in Egypt. They have no identity. The cool kids are beating up on the, the, yeah, the, the losers. If you want to, I mean, literally, right? Because actually, I don't, you get to think about it. Uh, the land of Goshen was fertile. The Pharaoh saw these, these people kind of becoming cooler, gaining notoriety, and he squashed it. They cried out to God, and God said, I'll help you. Takes them out to the, uh, Mount Sinai, and um, this is who you are. I'm the one who took you out of Egypt. Well, that's a whole other issue, but their, their, their place... The in crowd was the, them, and because, and then, and then we'll roll into it. So then in Romans chapter 6, how do you know you're cool? Well, you know you're cool because you're baptized. That's your definition of coolness, is I'm baptized. Can you just imagine, like, somebody saying to Audrey, like, why do you think you're cool? Like, I'm baptized. Well, I think that's exactly what you need to tell your children. Um... I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I actually believe that's true. I think that's what you should say. I, that's not the only thing you can say, but I mean, I, that, that, that's a good option. And the kids will say, you're weird. I'm baptized. Bring it. So, no, no, because, I, I, I mean, think about this in terms of your identity and what she talks about if you know who you are and where you come from. So, you know who you are because you're baptized, and who you to belong. So, you know where you came from. You come from God, John chapter 1, born not of the will of men, but of God, to become children of God, or sons of God. So, you know, you know, you know who you belong to. You belong to God. Now, last week, at Pastor Chats, the only reason I'm bringing this up is because I had some grandparents who heard from their grandkids about pastor chats from last week. And we talked about Esther. And we had two crowns, a little crown and a big crown. And, the, and these grandparents come up and said, oh, we heard about pastor chats. Uh, it sounds fantastic. Can we, can we ask you a couple questions about it? Oh, yeah, sure. Well, we heard about these two crowns. And so you, you said, like, the little crown is like King Xerxes. We talked about Esther. Uh, King Xerxes is another another name of Ahuzeris, but I can't pronounce Ahuzeris. So, King Xerxes, and then like, so she was like queen of the, like the little king, but she was the daughter of the big king with the big like the the crown was like it could go over my shoulder. It was like huge. And since she was like the like the daughter of the big king, she had enough confidence to approach this little crown king. I'm like. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Holy smokes. I'm like, you, 
You got that from your kid? Yeah, oh yeah, because it was a boy. Yeah, he pays attention. I was like, yeah, that, that's, that's exactly right. That's great. I was very surprised because it, it was a little crazy. So, um, so that's, exa- that's exactly what we're talking about is, is that you, because you are a child of God, you are baptized, you, you are, you're, you're like, you're part of the, you're, you're big time. You're, you're big time. Kind of a big deal. Okay? And so you have great confidence to approach these circumstances in these environments where everybody else is unsure and kind of anxiety-ridden. So you walk in and you say, yeah, I'm baptized. I got, what am I afraid of? I'm I'm already part of the cool crowd. And what's even better than that, though, is that as part of the cool crowd is that you, who do you take in your crowd? Everybody. So everybody has, has, a, has the opportunity to become cool. And part of being cool is giving life, not manipulating and taking life. So it's, uh, it's the great antidote. So then, then, but the reason why we can do that is because we have been told by the person who has the ability to actually tell us if we're cool or not. Who's the one person, I've said this before several times, the one person who can tell us who we are is the person who made us. And that's Jesus. Nobody else can tell us who we are except for Jesus, not even ourselves. And that kind of goes back to your question, is that the, the moral of the after-school specials has always been be yourself, and you, you, know, you kind of become yourself. Like you tell who you are. We don't have the ability to say who we are. Only God does, because he made us. And so that would be your, your framework as you kind of just everyday life, but if you do have a chance to watch this, ask yourself, are these people driven by these three things? Do they understand who the real in-crowd is? Do they understand what makes them cool? And do they understand who has the ability to say if they're cool or not cool? Because Genesis 3.11, you don't have to really know it specifically, but the devil says to Adam and Eve, you will surely not die. So he promises life. And he's saying, don't be part of that. Be a part of this. And, of course, you know, they recognize they're ashamed. They're naked. And they go hide. And Jesus says, well, where are you? God says, where are you? Um... And, you know, what do they say? We are naked and we are, yeah. Who told you you were naked? Yeah, that is really good. I'm thinking, so they listened to the wrong person. Who told you? And, it, it, I mean, it's a, it's a real powerful thing because so much of our life is listened to the wrong crowd. And uh, so, anyways... I think this is great. Uh, and, and to be honest, this is what drives me. So I don't, maybe it's just my own personal, I'm like just telling you about who I am but here. But um, I, uh, <coughs> sometimes it's embarrassing for my family when I'm a little too, I'm baptized. You can't, you can't, you can't. 
Well, that, that, would, be a, that would be a manifestation of uh, the fact that I have no shame. All right, I, I teach the vicar, uh, the vicar now over the last two years, or three years, has gotten a uh, little primer on rap music. And one of the big songs that they get is by Tupac Shakur, and it's called Only God Can Judge Me Now. Um, because being a pastor is kind of like being a gangster. I don't, you don't know this. Shirley knows this, whether she knows it or not. Um, and only God can judge me. And God has judged me. And what has he said about me? <laughs> he said, I'm forgiven. And I, in your mind. So that is, that is good. That is, that is what I listen to. So anyways, um, yeah, I think that's, that's best. And uh, because, yeah, anyways, there you go. The one thing, too, about the uh, older, the parents' bid, this was back to, again, sorry, uh, back to the parents' bid is that I think there's a big distinction, and I think it's helpful for us as we kind of look at each other and look at maybe younger parents, is that I think there's a big difference between parents who are trying to be cool and parents who haven't grown up yet. I, there's a distinction there. Yes, because I think parents who haven't grown up aren't trying to be anything besides, yeah. And, and they need to grow up. But they're not striving for a coolness factor. Uh, so, uh, so it, for instance, there's been several movies about this. Um, not necessarily about parents, but about adults who are just having, they're mainly about men. Uh, well, yeah, that's Jane Fonda's in that one, too. That's funny. Right? Failure to launch, isn't that Jane Fonda? Oh, okay. Yeah, see, I thought the mother was Jane Fonda. All right, well, anyways. All right, um, uh, Will Ferrell, Owen Wilson, a lot of these movies deal with this in young men. But there is actually a really interesting film um, called Daddy Long Legs. It's an independent film. Daddy Long Legs, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's precisely about, I, there's a big distinction because he's not trying to be cool. But this, guy, this dad clearly has not grown up. And it's a very, I, I find it very endearing because I can see in this, this man a lot of myself and dads just in general is that. Um, it's a great movie, so Daddy Long Legs. Has that done generation gap? Well, no, I, I just think I think it's uh, I think uh, sociologically speaking, young people don't grow up as, like they used to. So you literally have people who are children or, or adolescents who are still in their late twenties having f- children. Uh, that's just true. It's it's not just a generational gap. It's actually young people taking longer to grow up. No, I, I don't think so, because you have a lot of people who have really high-paying jobs and adult jobs who are still children. Maturity. It's maturity-wise, yeah. I mean, you, I mean and, and actually what we find out, well, that's, we can just talk, or we can end now, but, yeah, you see this a lot, actually, with uh, respect to actually, because um, the old assumption was, well, once they have a family, they'll, so you have a group of young people who left the church, 
and the presumption is, oh, hey, when they have children, they'll come back to the church because they have, that's absolutely, that doesn't happen anymore because you have young people who have now established their lives without the church who are in their late 20s, early 30s, and they haven't really grown up. So it's not like they're maturing. And now they enter into these adult stages of life of having children and getting married. And they, they just don't come back to church because they're still children. Maybe they'll come back later. I don't know, but, but right now, this is kind of real time. But anyways, all right, so, it, okay. Watch the film, and we'll, uh, I think it'll be very eye-opening. Because, to be honest, it's not, it's not practical for any of us. I don't think it, the film will be more of an academic exercise because it will be about probably other people. <laughs> I think. Unless you're really into Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. All right. Okay, let's pray.